we're gonna start our uh, we're uh, been in our new series and our new series um, is called and they came to Elam and they came to Elam and uh, we started this last week part one to today's part two and so um, but it's also the last uh, week or we, I mean we had school holidays right uh, anybody had kids at home you, you if you you would know about all that and then school starts tomorrow and you're thinking Yes, praise God for school uh, and things like that. But I was thinking back when I was growing up, way back when I was little, my mum would always take us to the movies, always take us to movies for the school holidays. And one of the reasons why we would go to the movies for the school holidays is because like our family, we didn't own a car. We never had a car. So the movies was the only place she could actually take us that was within her budget. So back then, I was, I was, on the day we'd go to the movies, I was all excited. My job was to run to the shop to get the newspaper. Right, and normally when my mum sent me to the shop, I'm always like, oh, do I have to go to the shop? For, for that day, I'm like, I'll go to the shop, whatever you need, I'll get it for you, I'll get my mum, I'll buy the newspaper, and my mum smokes. Back in those days, this, you, you were able to buy smokes uh, as, a, as a seven-year-old. But anyway, that's another story, and we're we glad things have changed. So I'll go get, and why would I go and get a newspaper? Because believe it or not, for those who are maybe, if you are born maybe 20, 25 years ago, you might be hard for you to believe this, but back then we didn't have internet. So if you wanted to know what was at the movies, you had to get the newspaper. And uh, we didn't have movie complexes like, like today. There's like a movie complex in every kind of suburb and major area. Back then, uh, we, uh, we used to live in, we, um, originally uh, we lived in Auckland. And back then, it was only in downtown Auckland where you'd go to the movie theaters. There was no complexes. And so movie theaters like the Civic Movie Theater, the St. James or Mid-City. And, and so, uh, so we'll go to the Mangere Town Center and we'll catch our bus and it'll take us about an hour and a half to get to downtown Auckland to watch this movie. But when we get to that, when we get there, we oh, it's in the Civic Theater. Let's Crocodile Dundee. You know, let's go watch Crocodile Dundee. Uh, shows how old I am. And, um, and so we'll be watching, uh, watching this movie. But I always used to notice that my mum, she would buy movie tickets for us kids, but not for her. She would sit outside and say, no, 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 you guys go. I'll just sit and wait for you. And it wasn't until years later that you kind of realize why she did that. Because what my mum would do, she would budget just enough to get us to the movies. And, and whatever she had left over, she'll, she'll treat us by buying us lunch, which means that she, didn't, she, she couldn't afford to pay for herself to go. And, and you're hearing the story, and no doubt you have your own story of you growing up. Well, your mum and dad did the same thing. Maybe you're here right now, and you do that even today. Your kids want to go to Macca's, and you go to Macca's, and you just have enough for the kids, and you don't buy you anything, and your kids go, don't you, oh, no, you go, oh, I'm not hungry, it's okay. Maybe that's what you do that today as well. And why do we do that? Because that's what love is. Love is selfless, it's sacrificial, it's unconditional. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced love like this before. And you're like, well, that sounds really nice, but that's for other people, not me. Or maybe you're here and, and, and you've, you've had this emptiness inside and you've tried to fill this empty, emptiness with stuff of this world and with substances or, 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 or with, um, uh, with sex or whatever the world offers, but it doesn't fill you inside. But you need to know something. You need to know the truth, that you are loved. You are deeply loved. You are cherished. You are valued. And you know why? Because this love never stops, because God is love. And the enemy of God loves to tell you lies. Things like, you are not lovable. 
Everyone else is lovable but you. you we, need to, we need to recognize the scheme of the enemy, the devil. The Bible tells us that the, that the devil is the father of lies and there is no truth within him. I love what Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, n- neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the truth. I love the way the Apostle Paul writes this. I am convinced Nothing can separate you from the love of God, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you're doing last week, regardless of what you're doing last night. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He loves you, but get this, he loves you too much for you to stay the same. When we, when we read our Bibles and we, and we go to the Old Testament we, and, we, and we read the book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament, what we find in the book of Exodus is that, that Israel finds himself in slavery to Egypt. And they've been in slavery to Egypt for about 430 years. And the people of, of Israel, they cry out to God for help. And because of God's love for Israel, God intervenes and, and, he, and he rescues his people out of slavery. He brings 10 plagues upon Egypt to bring destruction of the gods of Egypt. Pharaoh releases his people, changes his mind, pursues them. Children of Israel find themselves up against the Red Sea. Like, the army's over here, the Red Sea, but God doesn't leave them alone. And he parts the Red Sea, and the children of Israel cross through into safety. And then they journey through the desert. You can imagine traveling through a desert, how hot it gets and tired you get. And then God leads them to a true oasis. The first oasis that they will encounter. Exodus chapter 15 Verse 27, and they came to Elam. They came to Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palms, 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. See, Elam was a place of rest. Elam was a place of breakthrough. Elam was a place of preparation. Because Elam really is that place of restoration and rest. I remember when we first came to this church nearly 20 years ago, oh my gosh, life was like a desert. And, and Elam was the place where our family was restored, where we found restoration. It's a place of breakthrough from slavery. And whatever has you bound, God wants to set you free. Elam was a place where God prepared them for their calling at Mount Sinai where they got the Ten Commandments and the Covenants. So Elam is a place where God wants to prepare you for his, for his purpose that he has for your life and God's plans and purposes for your life are good. That's Elam. That, that's what Elam was. So in this series, we, we, we've turned the name Elam into an acronym. Last week we looked at, at, at the letter E. The letter E. And E stands for encounter. Where, where, where Elam is a, is a, where God's house is a place of encounter, where God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. What does God want to fill you with His Holy Spirit? So you can walk in the authority of God. And God wants to do a new thing in your life. And quite often, when you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in. And, quite, and if we're not aware, we just, where do we leave Jesus in our life? Just leave Him in the corridor? Or do we allow, allow Him in every room in our house? 
And when we allow the Holy Spirit to move and we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, not only will you begin to prophesy and, and, and speak in tongues and see healing, you begin to walk in the authority that God has for you. And so today we're going to be looking at, at the letter L. And why are we looking at the letter of L? Because it comes after E. That's my simple logic. And so L, L for the acronym is love. Love. I love what John, 1 John 4, verse 16 says. That it says, God is love. God is love. Meaning that God doesn't eventually love you. If you keep following my ways, then I would eventually love you. No, God is love. He's the definition of love. That's who he is. God is love. He doesn't learn to love. He is love. He's the definition of love. And, 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 and let me put it this way. Have you ever wondered what God was doing before he created anything? What was God doing? What was he up to? Before he created the world, before he created you, before he created the sun, the universe, what was God doing? You ever wondered that? Did you know the Bible actually tells us what God was doing? In fact, Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us what God was doing. It's really interesting. I don't know if you noticed that verse in the Bible. Jesus tells us what God was doing before he created everything. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to John 17, verse 24. I love what Jesus says. He says, he's praying, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. See what Jesus said there, that the Father loved him before the creation of the world. So what do we get before creation? So what do we have before the everything was created, you get a community of love. There's a community of love. That God is a triune being. Three in one, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This triune being, this community, this community of love is what we had before all that was created. Where the Father loved the Son through the Holy Spirit. This community of love. This is important. This is important for the world that we live in today and who God is. That, that, that before everything was created, we had a community of love, which is really important compared to if we had a solitary being. Can you imagine what kind of universe a solitary being would create? We're not a community of love, not a triune being where there is love from the beginning, but a solitary being creating. Imagine if you were God, if you were this solitary being. Before you created everything, before you created anything, what, were you, what, what is there? Before you create everything, what's there? Nothing. What else is there? You. Just you. For all eternity. Just you. How would you like to live by yourself for all eternity? That would drive you insane. That would drive me insane. I'm alone for 10 minutes, I'm insane. I go insane by myself. That's why we have seven children. Four grandkids. Because here's the thing, if a solitary being was going to create, why would they create? Why would they create? Number one, because it's lonely by yourself. I'm going to create because I'm alone. And number two, I'm going to create because I need an other. I need another. In fact, you can become dependent on the other. And you know what? What does love look like? I don't know. It didn't have to love anything. 
Do I love this? I don't know. So what would a universe look like if, if a solitary being who didn't have love from the beginning created? When you, when, when you create something to be dependent on, there comes control. If you're dependent on someone, there's control. So what does a universe look like if you had a community of love from the beginning? We had the Father loving, loving the Son through the Holy Spirit. What does a universe look like that's created in love? Looks so much different. This is why we have children. This is why we have kids, right? Like, wh- why else would I have kids? All they do is eat all my food, mess up my floor, spend all my money, and then they get up and they reproduce themselves. They multiply, and I get it all over again. Why would I, why would I put myself through that? For the simple fact is love. I want to share the love that I love my wife and we have a child together and we, we want to share our love to our child. And so this is why, this is creation. This is what creation is. Creation is the overflow of God sharing his love. That God is love. He's the definition of love. Right from the beginning, you had a community of love and they create to share their love. The universe, we are the image of God. We are the overflow of his love. It's a far different world to if you had a solitary being creating. To a being who is a community of love, sharing his love. That God is love. He is love. That's why you are loved. That's why you're loved so deeply. And when you encounter God, you experience his love. And his love changes us. It changed me. And we begin to to express his love. And the way we express his love is ministry to God and ministry to others. That's how we express our love. This love, we express it through ministry to God and ministry to others. And why do I use this word Ministry. Why do I use this word ministry? And the reason why I use this word ministry is because, because, because love is not just a feeling. It's an action. I, I don't just say I love my kids. right? I don't say I love my kids, but, but I demonstrate my love for my kids by ministering to their needs. I demonstrate my love. You know, and that's how I demonstrate my love, by ministering to their needs. And so... So we demonstrate our love to God by ministering to God. And, and you need to understand something. God doesn't, he doesn't need us. He goes, oh, I'm going to create you because I want people to worship me. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need anything from us. But what ministering to God is, is a way for us to express our love and reverence and our devotion to the divine. I, re- I remember when me and Portal first walked into this church 20 years ago. When we first, and we came to Elam, 20 years ago, we encountered God. And in that moment, we experienced a love, a forgiveness, and an acceptance like nothing else before. Like nothing else before. And I used to, back then, I used to work the night shift. I would start at 11.30 p.m. and finish um, after 7 in the morning. And so after work, after we, we came to Elam and God just filled us with, with his love, I just like, I just wanted to be here, and we'll pick up, drop the kids off the school. Me and Porter will come to church. We'll start setting up chairs, packing up chairs. This is back at 15 Corfi Street, where we used to be. And whatever it is, we'll be here serving, serving God, and doing all that we needed to do. And, and we, we didn't do it so we can be noticed by leadership. We didn't do it so so we could get brownie points. We did it of, because of our thankfulness and our gratefulness to a God who could love someone like us. 
people who were broken, people who needed rest and restoration, people who were lost, that God would come and love someone like me. It blew my mind that I could be forgiven for all the things that I've done, for the, for the, for, for, that he could forgive me. It just blew my mind. And I was like, and we're here serving. And, and someone said to me, man, you've been working all night. Why are you doing all these chairs? I said, I would rather be setting up chairs in the house of God than sitting in some penthouse somewhere. And, and so ministry to God was, was the way that I was expressing my love to him. And there's many ways to, to, to minister to God. We minister to God through praise and worship, through singing songs to God. And, and here's the thing, when I'm feeling low, when I, don't, when I don't feel like worshiping God, I walk into this place and I'm standing here. And then I said, oh, gee, I guess I should worship God. I am the pastor. <laughs> so, okay, and I come, come here and I get to that position. Okay, what's that? Okay, yeah, yeah here's that position. I'm, I'm in that zone. But here's the thing. When I, when I lift my arms, and I don't want to lift my arms. I don't want to pray. And I lift my arms and I, and, then, and I come to my senses. Like, you know what? Regardless of what's going on, you're a good God. And I begin to worship God. And I begin to minister to God. You know what happens? When I begin to minister to God, He ministers to me. And He fills me and He renews me. And I, and I was feeling flattened down. And all of a sudden, I'm going, God, you're so good. He reminds me that I'm not alone, even in my struggles. And we, we minister to God through prayer and through, through, through meditating on His Word. It's communication with God, expressing gratitude and thanksgiving. But it's, but it's more than that. It's simply spending time with Him. And there's many other ways that we can minister to God. But one of the big ways to minister to God is to minister to people. Right? If, if you want to minister to God, then minister to people. And I love what, uh, what Jesus replied. He was asked this question. He was asked this, 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 this question about what is the greatest commandment? And he replies, and the answer, his answer is brilliant. And he says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. That sounds familiar? We just read that through the dedication. It's the Shema, the most sacred prayer in Judaism. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And, and those listening go, yeah, amen. All the Jewish listeners and, and teachers of the Lord say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the Shema. This is why we pray this three times a day. But Jesus, he's not finished. He doesn't stop there. Then he goes on and he, and he goes, and the second is like it. You can imagine the, 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 the Jewish people thinking, what, the second? Is he adding to the Shema? And then he goes, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments, which is really one. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. You know, your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. You want to minister to God? Minister to people. Because when you minister to people, you minister to God. So what does this mean for us? It means that we've been called to be countercultural. Counter That's what we've been called to do, to be countercultural to what everyone else is doing, to be kingdom-minded. During the first century, th these Christian communities, they were seen within society as being weird and strange because they did strange things. You know why? Because they loved people and they cared for people who weren't part of their own family. We, I understand when, you, when you're caring for your parents 
or your children or, or, or people within your community, but they're caring for people that they don't even know. They're loving them. And they thought that was weird and strange, but not within the Christian community. And that changed our world. We, we think, well, that's quite normal. The reason why that's normal today is because of Christianity. We wouldn't have the Western world without Christianity. The reason why all of a sudden we're, we're worried about what's happening in Ukraine is because of Jesus. Change our, the world, the Western world have no idea that we, it's all about caring for people. And now they're pushing away from Jesus where this came from. And we've been called to be countercultural. So we're so conditioned now. So the, the Western world has been shaped by Christianity, but now it's going back to where it used to be before Christianity came in. Back to me, myself, and I. Individualism. It's about looking after me. Yeah, right? If, you, if you're into postmodernism, it's all about that. It's all about me being the Uberman, the Superman. Uh, you know, if someone else is struggling, it's their fault. And I've got to look after me, myself, and I, my patch of the wood, and my tribe at the expense of someone else. But, but when we read Scripture, when we read Jesus, it's countercultural. So no, we've got to love people. We've got to love our neighbor as ourselves. It, it means that we've got to care for people in Hamilton who the economy has forgotten about. That's what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. And the cure for feeling discouraged, the cure for, for, for feeling depressed, and we've all been there, and we've all been through, there, through burnout and things like that because something's happened to us and we've lost energy, and, and, and we have this tendency just to, to, just to close up ship, close, battle down the hatches. And I'll get through this by myself. The enemy of God wants to isolate you. To pull you away from everyone else. Pull you away from the support and love. Where the love of God wants to bring you in community. And, and, and the cure for this, to help, because it's so hard, because, it's because what happens is we begin to focus on ourselves because it's, we're just trying to protect ourselves. And it's so hard to move our focus off ourselves. But what we focus on, the, we get more of. What we focus on, we get more of. We see someone's problem. If we just focus on that, then all we see is their problems. We've got to, how do we shift our, our thinking, our change? And, and one of the best ways to do that is to help someone. Simply help someone. I was so blessed in this when we were setting up for this building. It took us a day to set this all up when we, when we first moved there. But there were people coming and they were just helping of themselves and just helping and giving of themselves. And, 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 and I find when I'm struggling and, and feeling depressed that when I begin to, to come and, and to help someone move their house or, or, do, or just do something simple as, as, as helping someone out, shifts my focus from me and onto them and it begins to change the way that I think. Because when we begin to minister to people, we begin to minister to God. Because your, dev your devotion to God is measured by what we do for people. Do you know what it also means? It means that you are deeply loved. Your sins don't scare God. It doesn't scare God. Well, you know, God doesn't go, oh my gosh, you did that. Oh my goodness. Stay over there. God's like, come. Come to me. Come, come to me, all those who, who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He comes with his open arms. You are not damaged goods. The enemy is good at telling you lies that you're too damaged. You're too far gone for God. God can't save someone like you. The, the, the reason, look, 
You've got a pastor here 20 years ago that's unbelievable. It's impossible. What's impossible to man is not impossible to God. He can change your life. And I love what Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates. He demonstrates. Demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we turned our backs on him, while we were cursing his name, spitting in his face, he died for us. He took within his body that God loved you so much that he stepped into his creation and in the fullness of Jesus, on the cross, he took all your sins, he took all your regrets and your pain and in his body, he died for you to set you free. And this is the power of the cross. He demonstrates his love for us. He loves you deeply, but he loves you too much for you to stay in your broken state. Because when you receive his love, the Holy Spirit comes beside you and he begins to transform you. I remember coming to Elam and we, we were so transformed, the things we we're doing. We didn't just say, oh, we better stop doing this because we're going to church. Holy Spirit began to change our life. What seemed normal to the world, we knew wasn't normal to God. I mean, I knew the stuff that we were doing wasn't right. No one needed to tell me that. And you know what? No one needs to tell you what you're doing wrong. You already know. But when the Holy Spirit, God loves you, for you, loves us too much for us to stay in this state, the Holy Spirit comes along us, inside us, transforms us, turns our life the right way up. We got married. When we got married, we had six kids at that time. And then after we got married, we added a seventh. It wasn't quite complete. Seven means completion. So if you only got six kids, you're not quite complete. You need to go work to do. No, just kidding. Don't. If you only... I'm not going to go there. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You're deeply loved. You are lovable. You're not too far gone. He loves you, but He loves you too much for you to stay the same, to stay in that state. And if you allow the Holy Spirit in, if you allow God to transform you and walk with a community, you are not alone. We are better together. Your devotion to God is measured by what you do for people. Love God and love people. Come on, let me pray for you.